Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And hi there. We are, or have been on the road this week, back and forth between Bear Lake and Salt Lake City. <laughs> and right now, I don't know where you are exactly, Linda. You're on the other extension, but I'm looking out over this incredible blue Bear Lake a lot of people, you know, we find that people, if they know Bear Lake, it's amazing how many people there are that live reasonably close and really have never been to Bear Lake or heard of Bear Lake. But those who have been and who continue to come, it's like a hard core of real Bear Lake affectionados who would rather be here than almost anywhere else. And I don't know how to describe a Bear Lake uh, devotee. I guess it's someone who loves beauty, loves the fact that this is a natural 20-mile-long lake in the mountains, <coughs> but also <coughs> maybe someone who likes a little adversity because, man, you get some big storms up here that come up fast. You have to be prepared. You have to be ready. And every year, unfortunately, a couple of people get killed on this lake, which we always hate to see. But this is where we are today, and it's a beautiful day, and it's always roughly 20 degrees cooler here than it is in Salt Lake City. Which is actually very good this summer because it's been a sizzling summer, as those of you who are in the Utah area know, everywhere, actually. It's just been so hot. We have kids in New York and Boston today, and it's 90 and 90% humidity there. It's just miserable when it's that hot, but... You, you know, know as, as we travel around the world and meet with families and parents, it's interesting how much sort of fascination there is with this whole phenomenon of family reunions. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that people in other parts of the world don't have reunions, but we make it kind of an art form here in in Utah and Idaho and some of these western states and in the LDS culture. And uh, people are amazed. They're like, wait, you get 47 people together every year and you have a reunion? What do you do? How do you, how do, you do that? Well, it's not only us. There's so many people who do it. In fact, our, our little compound at Bear Lake where we started having family reunions 30 years ago before anyone had even left home, long before anyone had even left home, and where we still continue to do it today, it has just grown little by little. We keep adding a bedroom or adding a, a bungalow by the beach or, or doing whatever we have to do to have just enough room for the growing family, and we can handle all 47 of us now. And, and when we're not here, we end up trying to find families who are similar to ours and who want to rent it for a week because we don't want it to sit idle and so i guess this year there will be about seven different families who've had reunions here and you know reunions just it's like they're a place in time we have one daughter who is we have several daughters who are photographers but one of them makes us a book every year and it's one of our isn't it great linda when that when the bear lake reunion book comes and it's it's a com- compilation of all the photos take all the best photos and believe me, if you're not a pro, you don't get included in the book. I don't think I've had one of my pictures in the book for years. <laughs> but but it's the best photos of Bear Lake put in these little books that you can order now online where they bind them and, and make them so the pages turn easily and they're archival paper so they'll last forever. And when we get that every year, it's usually in the fall by the time, or even Christmas time before we get it, 
But it's one of the happiest times of the year to sit there and thumb through that book and relive the reunion memories, which are so poignant. And which Don't you think it's interesting, Linda, how sometimes you look at it and you say, wow, I didn't even realize while it was going on how much fun it was. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, you look back at those. In fact, we have one daughter that is such an excellent photographer that she's um, thinking about writing a book about how important it is to capture those moments because you forget them so fast. And I'm just looking through an old book this morning as I was putting things away um, um, of reunions like 13 years ago. Eliza was a baby, honey. And uh, it really is so wonderful to have that as memories because you lose them so fast. And you had a nice camera when our kids were little, but I had a stupid camera and did not take pictures, and we lost a lot of our kids' childhood on my day-to-day scene. You have some great pictures well, in there. Well, but... it was so much harder then because, you know, film. I mean, I would take a roll of film. Some of you oldsters listening will remember this. Put it in the mail, and it would come back as slides, and I'd watch the slides on a, on a projector and on a screen, and pick out the ones I thought were good and then have them made up into prints. And it was a laborious process, and you were pretty careful to not waste your film, you know, to get everything set up before you took it. And I, and I, I did have an interest. So in fact, some of our earlier books, our, our Teaching Children Joy book and the Teaching Your Children Responsibility book, uh, the first editions at least were all illustrated with photographs I'd taken, mostly of our kids, and the kids now love those books because, they, they, you know, it's a record of their childhood. But today, it's so much easier because you've got digital and you've got, uh, you don't have to worry about film, and you can take uh, our, uh, one of our daughters who's really good claims that it's not a matter of, uh, I mean, part of it is seeing the light and seeing the angles and seeing the composition, but part of it is just taking so many pictures and throwing away about 99 for every one you keep and only keeping the great ones. And, of course, you can do that with digital cameras. Yeah, it's so true. And it's so funny how different families do it differently, actually. Richard was just telling me on the way to the radio show here that um, the, there was a family in our home down there um, for the week, and they were just walking out the door, and they just handed the camera to Richard and said, take a picture of all of us. <laughs> Oh my gosh, our our family pictures are such a production. It has to be the right hour of the day, the right spot. Everybody has to be in the right spot. Everybody has to wear certain things. Honestly, it is hilarious. Oh, our family pictures are the are the start of a lot of arguments because everyone, you know, it's like it takes. I said to these people, they just handed me a you know a phone and said, "Quick, take a family picture for us." So I, you know, it took like three minutes. And I said, this is not bad. I mean, you just got all your family together just as you were leaving, took one picture, and that was it. We take, <laughs> we take thousands. But, uh, you know, but, maybe we're not as photogenic as they are. I don't know. No, I, I know. But, I mean, and we, we are going to get to our topic of the day, um, which is, has to do with going back to school. But to close this off, I do have to say that Sadie, our our really magnificent photographer, and we have two others who are fabulous, uh, three, actually. Well, you better. You can't keep mentioning Sadie without mentioning at least uh, Charity Shawnee, and Shawnee. Eli I bet more fabulous. people have seen Shawnee's photos on 71toes.com on her blog 
than anyone else, but they're all good. Let's face it. And they're Eli all good. And we're not should prejudiced. be a National Geographic guy. I don't know how that happened because really, you know, we didn't give them any training, and they just went out and did it. Anyway, but Sadie was saying how important it is. I was just going back to moments for a second. She said she had a little birthday party for her Emmeline, and one of the little girls gave her four-year-old daughter a Disney drum set, and she said all she could think was. Oh, who would do that? Oh, my gosh, I've got to live with it. Oh, no, oh, no. And then she said, then I was going back through the pictures, and I realized I totally missed the expression on Emmeline's face when she opened that drum set. It was priceless. It was the most magnificent thing anybody could have given her. And she said, you know, you just miss those things unless you catch it in, in photography on the way through. So, if you're having reunions, if you're wrapping up your summer, start taking more pictures because you just can't have too many. The other thing, I'm sorry, we're, we're, we're going to get to our topic for today, but I like to ramble for a minute. One thing that I, I've been thinking, you know, I had a grandfather, believe it or not, who actually, and this goes back a long, long way, and he, he took family movies, but he did it with an old 16-millimeter film camera. And so we have some uh, we have some family movies now that are sixty, maybe seventy years old. At the very early days of motion pictures, silent ones, and uh, you know they're great. But when I compare that to what you can do now, and I just had to throw this in, Linda, because as much as I like taking still shots, and, and some of our kids are really brilliant at that. I love taking the little the little movies, and with a good phone now, you can get. 4K digital movies that are so good that you can blow them up on a big screen and you know you may not you may be jerky or you may not be a good photographer but the quality of the actual shot is great and and it's like having an instant replay that's what made me think of it when you talked about Sadie and seeing that moment on Emmeline's face sometimes having little videos of some of the things that are going on we went on a horse ride yesterday with two old friends of ours way up into the Rocky Mountains, and I and I haven't even shown these to you yet, Linda. But I took four or five, just little twenty-second movies of of you know videos of where we were and what we were doing. And again, it's that phenomenon. You look at them, and you say, "Man, that was so incredibly beautiful up there." I knew it was beautiful while I was there, but looking back at it, I should have appreciated it even more. I know, it's so amazing. But, honey, we do have to get to our topic for today. Well, introduce the topic. Let me introduce it by saying, darn it, it's back to school again. I some Probably a lot of you are like, phew, it's back to school again. I'm so happy. And there are some things about going back to school that are awesome uh, for moms and for kids and to get things back on a schedule again. But um, uh, we, you know, and a lot of our grandchildren are already started school. It was August 1st in Hawaii and August 3rd, I think, in Arizona. And, you know, the next week, as other places in Boston, they don't start until, I think, after Labor Day. After Labor Day, they're so, sensible in Boston. Absolutely. And so uh, it is amazing, though. And then we just send a daughter off to college, um, our granddaughter, our second granddaughter to leave home. Our uh, oldest granddaughter, first one to leave home, but second grandchild. Right. I got to keep you accurate. Yeah, on this get, stuff, get, on get, it. get this straight. But anyway, um, she is at BYU Hawaii 
Her parents took her over. The poor things, they had to do it. Somebody had to do it. Somebody had took to do it. Took her over there. But anyway, when we come back from a little break, I, let's just introduce this a little more because one thing we think a lot of parents don't do that they, they where they miss an opportunity. I mean, we think of back to school and it's like, oh, I got to get their school clothes, I got to get their school supplies, I got to set up the schedule, right. I got to decide what bus they're on, I got to. It's all logistics. It's all details. It's all you know planning this and planning that and sometimes we miss a big opportunity to set what we call school year goals and when i say set them i mean have the kids working with the kids as their consultant and helping them to decide what their specific goals are for the school year and we're going to in the second half of the show give you some frameworks for that because where we've seen it work Where we've seen families really work on school year goals, it makes a big difference. And we'll have some fun ideas for you, so come back in just a minute. Ayers on the Road, parenting in a modern world. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back. I'm back. Are you back, honey? Oh, Linda's not back. Yes, I'm back. Oh, there she is. There she is. I thought you'd taken a bathroom break or something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We are finally getting to our topic here, which is helping your children set school year goals. No matter what age they are, no matter where they are going to school, or even homeschooling or whatever you're doing, it is so important to have your kids set their own goals and have a direction that they're going, have a purpose for their education. Now, again, let me just set this up by saying we know all families do a lot of planning as school starts and and figuring out the bus schedule, figuring out the homework schedule, figuring out what classes their kids are going to be in, what lessons they're going to have, what teams they're going to play on, logistics, scheduling, calendar, planning. We all do that as a matter of necessity, but this is something a little different. This is setting goals. This is actually having kids clear on what they're working for this year, the bigger picture, if you will. And here's what you don't want to do. This is what often happens. This is this is not what we're talking about. Uh, honey, let's sit down a little, Jimmy. You're going into third grade. Now let's set some goals for you now. You're very good at math. We better have a goal for you to get an A in math this year, and let's write that down. There's your first goal. That is not what we're talking about. That's what parents tend to do is to sort of have their goals for their kids, and that's okay if you want to have a goal, but but let's have the kids set some goals, and then comes the big question. How do you get a small child or an adolescent, for that matter, or a teenager. How do you work with them effectively as a parent, as a kind of a consulting parent, to help them set their own goals? Because if it's really their goal, they are going to work at it. And if it's your goal, they may or may not work at it. And if it's their goal, you become, instead of the nagger or the pusher or the person who's always bugging them to do things, you can become the consultant who essentially says, can I help you with your goal, honey? Can I help you on the things that you want to do this year? And that only works if they have really set clear goals for themselves. Well, and we have evolved over the years, and we've done it two different ways with our kids, with our little kids, 
um, they really like to spend time. In fact, Richard goes out and gets these big foam core boards. And when you started doing that, honey, I thought, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do with all those huge posters? But um, Now, these are more than poster boards, by the way. These are those rigid foam core boards that will stand up by themselves, and they're about two feet by three feet. And you might say, oh, my gosh, the last thing I need around my house is a bunch of big old poster boards that are rigid and you can't put them anywhere. Well, um, except they ended up between uh, Michael Jordan and Michael Jackson in a lot of the bedrooms <laughs> because they created them. They had their theme for the year, what they felt like they wanted to accomplish at the top with illustrations if they needed it. This is for younger kids. But then we started by having them do a five-facet goal. Like, what do you want to do physically this year? What do you want to do socially, emotionally? Um, mentally. Mentally and, and spiritually. spiritually. What do you want to accomplish this school year? And now, let me add. Let, summer? Let, this, so this, we're going to tell you how our system and now our kids' systems for their kids have evolved. We're going to save you some time here because we we got to a place that we had something better than this. But early on, those were our categories. And well, we no, were... I think that's good for little kids. The, yeah, our little yeah. kids did that. And then as they got older, we evolved into something that was a little more simple um, because they were involved in so many things. Right. But let me just say that, um, again, the technique here, if you if you just say to a little kid, a third grader, let's say, or a fifth grader, Okay, set some goals for school. They're not going to have a clue what to do. But and even if you say here are the categories, mentally that means what 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 are your grades going to be? Physically, that means what do you want to achieve? Uh, you know, in athletics or whatever, or maybe in music practice and so on. And still, they're not going to really get it. And what we found is that the way to get little kids going on goals is to first of all get a big goal and by the way the reason that i believe in these big charts these big foam core boards is visual sort of props mean everything to kids and if it's just on a little piece of paper somewhere they're going to lose it or whatever so what we learned worked was to get a couple of those big boards those big charts for ourselves and and sit down some sunday linda and i each of us working on our goals for the school year and and let it sort of evolve. Kids say, well, what are you doing? Well, I'm working on my goals for the year. Well, what are goals? Well, I'll show you when I'm done. I mean, you don't get too anxious to tell them. It's almost like, I don't know, this might be a little too grown up for you. I mean, you sort of pose it as a very grown up, important thing that you're doing. And then at some point in your own way, and each person would have their own personality for this, you say, hey, you know, you might be old enough to set some goals. Do you want to? Do you want to try? Well, what would I do? Well, what would I do? Well, first I'll get you a big chart. First, let me tell you about my goals, and then you help them understand that you have categories and you're setting certain goals, and that a goal is something that you're you're going to work very hard on, and you hope to achieve it. And the more specific it is, the better, and so on. And then you get them for kids, and you explain the categories, and it is amazing what they come up with. Now, honey, you have, we have to remind our listeners that everybody is not quite as gun-ho about goals and big charts That's as you true. are. That's everybody true. Everybody has their own way of doing it, but That's it is true. so important to get. And we found this really does go through our kids' lives. We're so pleased to see our kids now doing this with their kids in their own way. I don't think any of them have foam core boards. I'm sorry. But 
Well, um, some of them do have pretty big charts, though, and they've learned that if it's visual and if the kids can see it, it's going to have true. a lot more impact on them than if it's in a little notebook somewhere. Right, exactly. But you have to figure out what works for you. But it's just the whole process, as you were saying at the beginning of this segment, it's a process of really helping kids to realize that planning the year is just as important as what they're going to wear the first day. They really are going to have to think about what they want to do. They're not just little machines that you're robots that you send through. And one of the things that one of the things, no matter what uh, approach you take, uh, that I really feel strongly about, Linda. And you're right. I am a person who has thought a lot over the years about goals and plans. And it's very hard sometimes for little kids to distinguish between a goal and a plan. And it's very important that they learn that. For example, if a child is setting a goal for for uh, school and he says, well, my goal is to study for three hours every night, it's incumbent on you as a parent to explain that's a plan, that's not a goal. The goal would be I want to get this grade in this class and I want to get this grade in this class at the end of this semester and and kids once they get that once they see oh a goal is something that you achieve you get to it it it, it becomes a reality at a certain time uh, and place and and then then they're in a position to understand the plan now and what what is your plan to reach that goal of that certain grade in that certain class and then, and again, the hardest thing for parents is hands off. Just ask the questions, be the consultant, don't set the goal for them. And, and you know, inevitably a kid will say, well, I want to get a B in, in chemistry. And you're like, your tendency is to say, well, wait, why do you want to get a B? I mean, that's not a goal. You want to get an A, right? Don't do that. Because the minute you start taking over the goal-setting process, the kid no longer thinks it's his goal. It's better to, you know, let him set whatever goal he wants and then exceed it and set a higher one the next time. Don't you think that's true, honey? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do think that's true. And let's talk about high school kids for a minute because we did kind of change our system when the kids got to high school. Um, We had them do a little different thing. We just had three different categories that we had them work out. One was your school goals, your academic goals. One was your extracurricular goals because by then, you know, kids, well, they start early on this. You can do whenever you want, but they were playing basketball from, you know, dark to dark during the day. They'd leave in the dark and get, yeah, (laughs) go home in the dark. And so um, it was really important for them to figure out what their goals were instead of, honey, you're so good at soccer. You can't quit soccer. We really, really want you to play soccer. I mean, you know, and, and, it's true. Kids have gifts and talents that we can see that they may not recognize. But at the same time, they need to feel like they are in, all in, as far as they're doing their music. Now, again, the same thing with music. It's really, really hard to um, get through those first few years of piano lessons or violin lessons. It's just not fun. And so you have to really encourage them and at the same time give them a vision of where they can be and where they can go. And there's sometimes, you know, I, obviously I was forced to practice when I was a kid, um, and we won't go into that right now, but I am so grateful to my mother. She used to stand over me when tears were dripping down the piano keys and saying, someday you'll thank me for this. But you'd have been better off if you had set personal goals for your music. I would have. There might not have been so many tears because yeah. 
I felt like she was a musician and she wanted me to be a musician and actually I kind of was a musician and I ended up majoring in music but it really is tough to figure that fine line of you know is it really your goal or your child's goal but let me finish your thought on this and I I personally think that that we evolved and that our kids have evolved into a simpler I I don't personally think the the mental social emotional spiritual uh, framework worked nearly as well as the simpler framework of just three things: your your scholastic or academic goals, your extracurricular goals, which could also involve student government or whatever the child's interested in and wants to do in connection with school and life, but not as an academic part. And then yeah, third, but, but wait, honey. Well, I'm trying to give all three categories. Okay, give the third, so and I'll go back. In mind. <laughs> and the third one is the most interesting one, and that's character goals so that kids are actually setting goals about the things they want to improve within their personal character, and that really gets interesting. It really is fun. That's my favorite. Um, we had, um, a, you know, some kids are more outgoing than others, but we did have a daughter who decided she wanted to go to school and find somebody who really needed some help, and then she was going to rally her friends to get that child involved with their group, invite her on weekends and so on, and they found the perfect girl wearing a black cape, black lipstick, and somebody had a locker right by hers, and they befriended that girl who really needed some help and made a difference in her life. And now that's pretty, you know, that's pretty extreme. But there are other things, just sitting with kids at lunch that feel like they need, that look like they need some help or well, somebody. Well, that, that's, that's actually a good example. I remember one of our sons had a goal to get to know 150 people by their first name by the end of the semester, and I thought, wow, that's aggressive. How are you going to do that? Well, his plan was actually to sit by a different person at lunch every day, and I thought, how creative is that? I wouldn't have thought of that. And again, back to the premise, if kids set these goals themselves, and, and you know, you might want to consider those three categories, academic, extracurricular, and character, but let it take a while. They may not sit down in the first hour that you do it in a family home evening or whatever on a Sunday. But if you give them time, say, well, just think about it. Let's, it takes a while. You know, let it, let it evolve. And, let, and now's a great time to start because school's just getting going. And then once it's done and it has, it has a chart or it has some vis, visual character to it where they can see it every day, then you take a little different posture as a parent. You, you're the helper. Can I help you with this goal? How are you doing on this goal? Is there anything I can do? What, what, what is your plan for this? And so on. And it's always your plan, your goal. How are you doing? Can I help? Yeah, but I do have to close the show by saying how much fun it was when our kids were little doing those uh, specific goals because, you know, you remember Charity saying her physical goal was to get only seven cavities. Um, five cavities or whatever it was and then on uh, her social goal is to be 30 percent nicer i mean you know how do you how do you do that nobody could think of that except the child and you know she just had in her mind she wanted to be 30 percent nicer so you know go for it get your kids sitting down making some goals for the the school year and it does make a big difference i want to invite all of you to tune in next week for ours on the road we're going to talk a little about some opportunities we may have to meet some of you who have become regular listeners and who we've never met personally. We're going to be doing some interesting seminars 
in Heber City. And we're going to tell you about them and about a cruise we want to invite you on and a few other ways that we might get a chance to meet you. So we'll see you next time on Ayers on the Road. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.